Thank you for downloading this podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. You join us as we journey through the book of James. If you find these podcasts helpful and would like to know more about us, please visit our website, citychurchleads.net. Thank you, everybody. Have you got a poppy on anybody? Sure, yes. One, two, three. Not many. I've seen hardly any poppies out this year. So if you this week see some, buy one and put one on. Um, I just want to heartily encourage people that there is immense power in remembrance. And also, I think, for me, I just kind of, I didn't ignore it, but I just didn't really appreciate for a number of years the incredible sacrifice that to give your life up for others is. Jesus did it, didn't he? That is the ultimate sacrifice. It says it in the Word. And all that we have in the way of freedoms and blessings in this land are partly because of the sacrifice. Whether or not you agree with conflict is almost irrelevant. Somebody stood up for something they believed in and said no to evil. So anyway, so go buy a poppy and wear it with pride. Right then, let's turn to James, which is in the New Testament, just after Hebrews, so it's easier to find Hebrews. And I'm in Hebrews, not James. So let's turn over to chapter 2, and I'm going to read from verse 1 to verse 13, and that's the passage we're going to look at today. So what does it say? I might just ad-lib a little bit and put it into a little bit more English speak. I've got the New King James Version, which is a little bit oldie-worldie, but anyway. So, my brothers and sisters, don't hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality or favoritism. For if somebody should come into your gathering, somebody with gold rings in finely dressed clothes, and there should also come in some poor man in filthy, or as it says in my version, vile clothes, and you, pay, and you pay attention, I'll lift this up, I can see it better here. And you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and you say to him, oh, sit here in a good place. And you say to the poor man, oh, you stand over there or sit at my feet. Haven't you shown partiality or favoritism amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, beloved. Hasn't God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? But you've dishonored the poor man. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into court? Don't they blaspheme the the noble name by which you're called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to scripture, saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. But if you show partiality or favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he's guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you don't commit adultery, but you do murder, you've become a transgressor of the law. So. Speak and act as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. 
For judgment is without mercy to the one who's shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Hallelujah. I love that. You come through this little passage and you're thinking, hmm, all right, okay, conviction, conviction, conviction. And then the last little bit, mercy triumphs over judgment. Hallelujah. So we're going to unpack this a little bit today. Um, There's so much more, really, and I've just taken a little small element today that I hope will help us and just get us thinking and just cooperating with the Holy Spirit a bit more in our own walks with him. Now, let's see if I can get this a little bit higher. Okay, let me pray. It's good to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that each of us are on a journey. I thank you, Lord, that you are the one that sees right through us. We are transparent before you. We can't hide anything from you, so there's really no point trying. We can't pretend in your presence, and your presence is everywhere. And Lord, I just thank you that in your grace, you unfold and reveal to us our own hearts. And you show us the state of our hearts, and you don't leave us there. And Father, I pray that as we come to your word, which will expose our hearts, will you, by your Holy Spirit, come and administer grace, fresh grace, to water us in that onward journey, Lord. I ask you to open our eyes, Father. And Lord God, I ask you to anoint my words because I don't want them to be mine. May they be from heaven. Would you speak? May the eyes and ears of our hearts be open today in the name of Jesus. Amen. It was a bit of a long prayer, wasn't it? Anyway, it's good to talk to God. Now then, this passage, when I read this passage, I often think, yeah, 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 I kind of gloss over it a bit. And so when I was given this one to preach on, I thought, all right. Okay, okay, right, I'm going to have to look at this properly now. Right, I used to think, you know, yeah, I know, I know that truth. I don't judge people on the way they look, generally. I, I, I know this passage, and I do strive to, to not treat people on the basis of how they dress, how they look. Um, I was brought up to mix with anybody, pretty much. You know, my mum was careful not to sort of put labels on people, and... One birthday, I had a party and invited some of the children from the village. I think it was actually everybody in the village. And there weren't many. Um, And I think I must have been about seven. And one boy's gift to me, you'll have to excuse me, I'm very close to tears. don't know what it is when I stand up here, something happens to me. He gave me a ten pence piece. Blew, Blew me away. I was, I had, I was really careful not to show a reaction. Like, what? Ten pence? Not that I was looking for presents. I wasn't bothered at all. I mean, wasn't that? Never really been that, you know, bothered about getting presents or not. But I was so taken aback at what it said about that family, and I knew that family. They were very poor, dirty, whatever. But we used to muck about in the fields and on the farms together. But it really spoke to me. Anyway, a little story. Now what this passage is looking at, and what it's asking, is are we prejudiced? Okay. So there was something in me that that rose up inside me 
of nature when this boy presented this. There was a shock reaction. There was, and there was a potential to make a judgment. I could have thought, oh, can you be bothered to get me a present then? <laughs> Fine. But I didn't. Thank the Lord. So the passage is saying, are we prejudiced? I'm, I'm not. No, I'm not. No, no, no. Do we treat all people the same, regardless? Now that is a big challenge. I'm very conscious of that myself. Now we're going to do a little rhetorical exercise, which basically means you don't have to do anything by way of interaction, apart from with yourself and your own thinking. Okay, so you have been invited to a I'll try and say it again, a prestigious event at which there will be a dinner. Okay? You have received your lovely handwritten invite in the post. And the guests are many and varied, and everyone has been allocated a table, but not actually a seat. There are eight seats on each table. So, along with you, there will be seven other guests around the table. You're introduced to each one as they arrive, and you're all given a welcome drink. You then have the choice as to who you will sit next to for the entire evening. Who will you decide to sit next to? Now I've given a few caricatured for instances, okay. But they could be anybody, so use your imagination. So, on your table is going to be seated, number one, Mr. Medallion Man. Open neck shirt with gold chain, rings on his fingers, and he cracks crude jokes. Number two, a very obviously gay man or woman, depending Number three, a girl in her late teens who has learning difficulties, who invades your personal space and doesn't understand how to talk quietly. Number four, a well-known TV presenter. Number five, an older person who can't hear and asks you to repeat everything you say as well as what other people are saying on the table. Number, where are we, six? A charming, good-looking man or woman. And lastly, an individual of foreign origin who speaks very little English. They smell strongly of garlic and have a face like thunder. So that's your evening set up for you. So, take some time to think about who you'd like to be sitting beside. Would you sit by anyone without a second thought? and make the best of the evening? Or would you show an eensy-wincy bit of partiality, perhaps being drawn to one over another, or avoiding someone in particular? Mm, I don't want to sit with that one. Oh, yes, I'll take this seat. Just a little bit of a, an exaggerated uh, situation to imagine. So, what is this passage telling us? Actually, the literal translation of showing partiality is this. It says, receive the face. I scratched my head. I thought, sorry, I don't understand that. And I, I'm not sure I entirely understand it now. But I think I'm grasping that it's something about responding to the outward appearance. I receive the face. I, oh, yes. oh, I like this person. 
smiling at me nicely, saying amen appropriately. That's great. But I won't look over there too much. But anyway. So it's looking and judging by appearance only, perceived or otherwise, actually. And that is often very much the way the world operates in the world of work. They might say, how did so-and-so get that job? Oh, their face fits. You've heard that expression, haven't you? It's, if you look the part, then you'll get the part. You see, that's typecasting on telly, don't you, in uh, document, uh, dramas and whatever. Anyway, going off at a tangent. Did you know, and my dad did this for a little while towards the end of his working career, he started to do what was called the milk round, going to the universities, interviewing graduates or near graduates. And in his training, he was told to write down the first thing you notice about the individual, whether it be big red spot on the nose or enormous hair or whatever it was. They were trained to do that for a particular reason, but that's what they do. They train people to look at outward um, appearance. You see it everywhere. Advertising is virtually entirely based on appearance. So it's coming to us from all sides. And it's very difficult to put it to one side and ignore it. Now, I've got news for you. We all tend to show favoritism. Like it or not. I'll give you a little example. Or, should I say, prejudice. Stronger word. A number of years ago, and for a very long period of time, I lived in Beeston. Hands up if you know Beeston. Okay, let's hear it for Beeston. Beeston is quite down a hill, and very mixed community, ethnic groups, and so on and so forth. And it's quite rough. And one particular evening, I was driving out somewhere, it was dark and it was wet, <laughs> and I was silly. I shouldn't have done it. But anyway, um, I drove past. It was near mischief night, and a bunch of kids were stood on a street corner and threw a load of gravel at my car. <laughs> so I reversed up the road. <laughs> the next thing I knew was I got a brick through the window. So that was like... <clears throat> But I saw red. I was absolutely after them. And I got down this rather dark side street and I thought, mm, perhaps I won't go any further. But there must have been about seven, eight, nine, ten of them. And they were kind of 11, 12, 13-ish, roughly, by the sort of height I could tell. I was, I tell you, I tell you, I was mad. I was so mad. And I got out of my car and I ran into the takeaway shop that was there, run by Asians. It was a curry place. And I shocked myself. I went up to I said, I wasn't cross with the guys, but I just said, do you know one of your kids has just thrown a brick through my window at my car? <sighs> well, how racist is that? Bearing in mind that there were Asians in the group, you see. And what I saw that I had done, I had lumped the entire Asian-colored-looking community into one basket. I just put them all together and made a judgment. I was so amazed and shocked by my 
behavior, I really had to deeply think, why did I do that? I knew that there was no malice in my heart. I was absolutely livid and I wanted justice. I wanted to clip him around the ear. Well, anyway. Um, but I thought that was my reaction. A judgment made. Now, these guys in the curry house may never have set eyes on these kids. But I made that judgment. So I'm just, just confessing it now. I think I'm forgiven. So anyway, favoritism, partiality, we see it in our attitude in a lot of different aspects of life. So it might be to do with social standing. It will come out. So if you meet somebody, you think, oh, well, I know they're, they're sort of up there in social status, or he's down there, and I'll look down on him or whatever. Um, the same goes for education or race, religious persuasion. You meet another Christian. You say, oh, what church do you go to? They tell you, and then it's like, oh, yeah, we'll just um, peg you somewhere then on the basis of that. We make these judgments. Politics. So, right, socialist, that guy. Don't get into conversation. What about disability? An influence from childhood is very strong. Shaping our attitudes. But it's quite simple. It could be distilled down. Often our attitudes are motivated by different feelings, such as superiority or feeling threatened, by personal gain or personal insecurity, or sometimes simply by pure ignorance. You just don't know. Put it very simply, it boils down to our attitude to status having it or seeking it and how we view status it's how good do i look what makes me look good what do i want to avoid that makes me look bad the difficulty with status is maintaining it or seeking it actually takes us out of peace and brings us into stress I see it at work in different people, and I have the privilege of traveling all over different schools and meeting a whole huge range of people in society. And I can see it in individuals. I just think, oh, please, just be yourself. Stop trying to impress me or, or whatever, that person. Or... But you know what? Looking at this shows me that the human heart is such a jumble up of stuff. We're a bit of a mishmash of muddle, aren't we? And we react in different ways to different people because of different things going on inside us. Another little story, I might have told you this before, which is quite interesting and it was, I can see why it was designed this way. I did a week-long course, uh, a counselling course, which was quite unusual and we did lots of very enlightening exercises. And one of them was, all of them were optional. You could opt out at any point. And on the last day, we were told just before lunchtime, today, one of your exercises is this. Out of the group of about 12, I would like you to invite to lunch the one person that you'd least like to have lunch with. Oh, what? 
right. Of course, you could choose not to do that and just pretend that you like everybody equally and you get on with everybody fine. But being the young upstart that I was, I decided I would go for it. I thought, right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm just going to, I'm going to do it. This is There's somebody, that particular person, they really irritate me. Well, not actually, they don't. It's just something they do irritates me. So the thing was, you had to approach them and say, I would like to have lunch with you today because you really irritate me when you do this. Oh, dear. Well... Excuse me. The young lady concerned was very gracious and looked at me quite amazed and surprised. And I actually was the more surprised of the two. Because what it showed me was it's actually something inside me that was just unable to just tolerate her character, her nature, her her the person she was. And it was actually showing that it was the problem was here, not in the person there. I was the problem. And I was completely blown away. It was suddenly like this object lesson that suddenly unfolded and it just went, bing, the problem's with you. <laughs> it was amazing. It was almost as if the words came out of my mouth. It was like, dun, dun, dun. you know, anyway. So we are this bundle of mixed emotion and feeling and motive and hidden motive and everything else and sometimes we don't know why we do the things we do but I have good news praise the Lord yes thank you for that we don't have to stay this way whether our attitudes are provoked by fear anger pride jealousy we can know a purifying from them all and Jesus gives us the antidote thank the Lord and it's mercy. Sorry? Mercy. Say that again. Mercy? How mercy? But that's what the word says here. Let's just look at verses 12 and 13. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It needs a bit of unpacking to connect that together, I think. Right. Would you agree that showing partiality or favoritism is being judgmental? You agree with that? You are still awake. Good. It's kind of lording it over somebody, as you might say. Okay. It's actually applying a set of sometimes unfair standards upon someone else. Measuring them against them and either finding that they pass and I accept them or that they fail. And I either diss them or treat them less favorably, favorably or even just completely ignore them and reject them from my life. Okay. So when you put it like that, it doesn't sound very good, does it? Do you want to do that? Do you want to carry on being like that? No thanks, I don't. So how do I stop? 
how do I stop being like this? Like, I can't help myself just get really knocked by so-and-so who works opposite me. I have got a member of staff who's a bit like that. I have to show grace. I have to see beyond it. It's actually very interesting. When you go on this journey further and further, you begin to perceive, and not to get too heavy about it, but the realms of spiritual control that actually sit over people's lives. And that is in the unseen realm, particularly for unbelievers, there are these strongholds. And you can see why this person is manipulative, why this person is arrogant, why this person is such and such. And then you can begin to pray and begin to see change. And it helps you really begin to understand what is, what is it about that person. It's jarring my spirit, man. It's actually setting off alarm bells. It's actually saying, be careful. There's something they're trying to hook you into aggravated spirit or taking you out of peace or whatever it is. Where were we? So, if I want to stop being judgmental, I need to start showing mercy. Okay, so what is mercy? We need to sort of unpack that a little. Well, if we understand what justice is, we will understand what mercy is. Put them in balance. So justice is getting what I deserve. I remember hearing once a preacher saying, you want justice? Go to hell. Strong words. But that would be justice. But God has shown us mercy. Thank the Lord. He's shown us mercy. And mercy is not getting what I deserve. Often mercy and grace are put together. So grace is getting what I don't deserve. And mercy is not getting what I do deserve. Conundrum of words there. It takes you a little bit of time to think it through. Mercy very simply <clears throat> No wait I mean, yeah just deciding which sentence to read first that's all I'm just Mercy says I think or feel this about you but I'll overlook that in order to love you Mercy is setting aside what I think for the greater good of the person in front of me. Mercy as well goes alongside humility, and that's crucial. It's like a partner, mercy and humility, because you can show mercy. All right, I'll show you mercy. Say to your children, really cross with them. All right, I'll show you mercy. I will, I will not withdraw that pocket money this week. But I'm really cross with you. <laughs> All right, I've forgiven you. Have you? Mercy and humility. Well, what is humility? There but for the grace of God go I. That could have been me. Yesterday I was uh, invited to go out with some folks from all nations to go and give out bread, bread uh, sandwiches, lunch packs and whatever to the homeless just to go and find them in the streets of Leeds and um, there's a bunch of uh, alcoholics sleeping under the arches 
must have been so cold. I was frozen yesterday morning. It was wet and it was cold, wasn't it? And I just think, these guys have slept out in this. Man. You think, there but for the grace of God go I. I could be in that position. Now, you might think, well, no, I'd never be an alcoholic. But, well, you could be something else. You could be in another situation. You could have not been born into the family you were born into or whatever. We are all blessed. And having found salvation, we have been plucked out of stuff that could have just caused us to go right under. You remember the Lord's Prayer? It was really interesting, Alan. I think it was almost the Holy Spirit made you forget that line. Because that was the line that was going to come in here, you see. Where it says, forgive us our sins as we forgive, in brackets, love and accept and show mercy to those who sin against us. So, humility extends forgiveness. Humility works with mercy. Humility recognizes, actually, I've no right to lord this over. I've no right to say I'm better than you. I've no right to say I know best. I've no right to point the finger. And Jesus commands us, forgive as I have forgiven you. Who's um, heard of the um, Ian McKinley, I think his name is, the box jellyfish man who was stung by box jellyfish whilst diving and he began to die because the poison is so incredibly potent. It was traveling up his body. He struggled out of the water. He struggled onto the roadside, flagged down a taxi driver. He climbed in, says, please take me to the hospital. This was over in some, it's either Australia or one of the islands in that area. And once the taxi driver knew that he didn't have any money, he pushed him out of the car and drove on. Anyway, cutting a long story short, he died and he met God. And Jesus spoke with him and he saw the beauty of heaven and was amazed. And Jesus says, you, you can come now if you want, but you have to forgive everybody that's ever hurt you. And instantly he thought of the taxi driver. His face was, I can't forgive him what he just did to me. You have to forgive everyone. You have no right to hold unforgiveness against anyone. And there's more to that story. You can buy a book and read about it. It's amazing. But we have to forgive because that's the deal. Jesus has forgiven us everything, past, present, and future. We have no right to hold something else over somebody else. But it takes humility or meekness to show mercy to someone else. But it's a whole lot easier when you realize you have been shown mercy by God already. When God has shown us love, it changes us. And what we were unable to do 
by way of reaching out to some smelly, homeless alcoholic. We can do in the grace of God. God's love is powerful. It's a wonderful verse in Song of Songs which says, Love is as strong as death. Many rivers cannot wash it away. Love, love is the bottom line. Mark read about it at the beginning. Love. It's interesting when I walked in, Mo just summed up the, the, um, the preach this morning. They were stood on the plinth bit and I came in and these three tall guys was got a foot above me and I'm looking up at these tall men. And Mo said, no, we're all on the same level in Jesus. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. That's a bit of an ask. Pray for your enemies and bless those who persecute you and spitefully use you. I can't do it, God. No, you're right, you can't. You've got to cry out to me for the power to do it, to change your heart. We cannot do this stuff until we have received his love first. We have to receive of his grace in order to show grace. And that's not just once only. It's an ongoing walk with Jesus. And I'm just going to pick up a couple of things in closing. Luke 7.47 is in the passage where the prostitute comes into the place where they're meeting and having a meal. And anoints Jesus, anoints his head, anoints his feet. And the onlookers going, do you know who she is? And of course, Jesus pulls out the whole point. He says, she loved much because she was forgiven much. He who loves little has been forgiven little. But you know what? We have all been forgiven much. It's just whether you can see it or not. <laughs> When it dawns on you, you realize, I have no defense. <laughs> I surrender, Lord. I'll do your will. I'll, I'll do, I'll go anywhere. I'll speak to anyone, Lord. I will do what you're asking. Because you've shown me the depth of my depravity, my sin, my wrongdoing, how I put you on that cross. <sighs> and then in Jeremiah 31, the joy of it is, but what does he say? I'll, I'll, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day I took them out by the hand, out of the land of Egypt, the covenant which they broke, though I was a husband to them. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Thank you, Jesus. What a miracle. What an amazing thing. Jesus changes us. If you know Jesus today, you are not the same person that was born into this world. You are a new creature. Hallelujah. What an amazing thing. And how? Yeah, give him, give him glory. And it's all by his Holy Spirit.
not by might, not by power, not by the flesh, not by self-effort, but by my spirit, says the Lord. This is the only way. We need more and more and more of his Holy Spirit and his word as the foundation. Let's just pray in closing. And Jesus, we give you thanks that you made it possible. When we were unlovely, you came and loved us. You saw the potential, Father. We say thank you. And today, Jesus, I'm asking you, as we are before you now, to come and take the raggedy edges of our hearts and start to melt them, Lord. We ask you to pour in more of your love so we can pour out more of your love, that we can overlook more and more of those things which get in the way that disturb that irk us or whatever it might be and we know Lord that it's by your Holy Spirit and by your grace I thank you we don't have to earn it we just ask and you will liberally give to us and I just want to pray for anyone particular who's particularly spoken to by something in particular and I, I'm asking Lord God for individuals who just know Holy Spirit is touching them right now that you will meet with them in that area of challenge and you will take them over the obstacle God and you will show them a way through the difficulties and Lord we want to say afresh that we're signing up again for this journey taking us upward onward and into all the realms of excitement and adventure that you have for us. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.